right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We are doing this series through the gospel of, of John because we want to get to know Jesus and, and really get to know him in a special way, more than just knowing facts about him. We want to know his heart, and as we know his heart, it kind of reveals some things about us. And, and so we're in that section of John, it's chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, which all happened in one evening over a few short hours, but it's a lot of teaching because what he's doing is he knows he's going to the cross, he's going to be away, and he wants to convey to them some understanding about who he is and his love for them, but also try to tell them what they need to be like while he's gone. And so that's where we're at today. Jesus is gone. He's coming back. But you and I, we, we live right now. And, and to be honest with you, right now is a struggle. We struggle. We struggle in our Christian lives. I mean, that, that's just the reality. Uh, you know, it, it's not super every day. We know that, right? Might be super tomorrow, even though it's Monday, but, but that's not normal. A lot of times it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle in our, our Christian walk with Jesus because we face things. And, and so I've got a couple points I want to make here about our current struggle. We know that we trust Jesus Christ with our lives. If I, if I were to walk around to every person in here who's here and ask you if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, most of you would say, yes, I am trusting in Jesus Christ with my life, with everything. So yes, we, we know that right up here in our brain. We know that even in our hearts that I trust in Jesus. I know he died for me. I gave my life for him. So what's the struggle then, George? While we know that in our minds and in our hearts, here's where we are practically. Practically, we struggle with his absence, with his absence since we feel totally alone. We struggle. Really? Yeah, think about it. When, when stuff happens, here's what we say. Where are you, God? We want to see him working in our lives. And so, yes, we know. Yes, I know with my mind the facts. I know the doctrine. Yes, I know in my heart. I know about Jesus. I, I trust him. But when the rubber meets the road of the reality of everyday life, when struggles happen and, and difficulties approach and, 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 and stuff is going on, we really, we really have a hard time practically with our lives because it's kind of like, are you there, God? I don't sense you. I feel like, I feel, and people say stuff like, I pray and I feel like my prayers don't go above the ceiling. We, we say stuff like that and, and uh, I haven't seen God's hand in my life and you see people, and we just struggle with wanting to know that he's there. Has that been your experience? It's been my experience. And I don't think that's abnormal. Thankfully, it's not every day, although sometimes for some people it is. But it seems to be like when the pressure's on in our lives and, and we feel alone and we're fearful and we're fearful, 
We're desperate for him because we want to know. Do, do, do you understand? We want to know. We want something, we want something physical to, to touch, to grab a hold of. Where are you, God? You know what? I think Jesus knew that. I mean, he's in the upper room. They've just had Passover together. He's instituted the, the Lord's table in the midst of that Passover meal. The bread, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, the cup. He's, he's preparing them for the reality that just in a few short hours... He's going to be betrayed, and, and they're going to put him on a cross, and he's going away. He's telling them, he's going to say that. I'm going away. You can't go with me. And that, that's freaking them out. Like, you're going to be okay. I'm not going to be here, but I'll be nearby. Think, think about little kids when we try to branch them out. I, I was, I, for some reason, I was thinking about Foster, okay? So I... I was thinking about Word of Life Camp, and Foster uh, got, had an opportunity to go to camp. Maddie had an opportunity, and he had an opportunity. Uh, Maddie was going to the island. Foster was the only one going to the ranch by himself. And uh, they were going with another church, and uh, we dropped them off. And we knew Maddie was going to be okay, because she's Maddie. But then it was Foster. And Foster is going to be at camp. And so all week, I was thinking about this. All week, because there's no phone, there's no cell phone that can call you or whatever. I'm thinking about Foss. That's what we call him, Foss. I'm thinking about Foss. Is he going to be all right? He did okay. But I worried. Because we understand that. And, and that's where Jesus is. J Jesus knows he's going away and he's worried about us. And so he's going to give us some assurances. Those assurances that he gave to them are just as important for you and I today. Because we do struggle. We believe. I am not denying that we, we don't believe. We believe. You believe. But the struggle is real. And sometimes you just need the scripture to come alongside of you and say, it's going to be okay. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I did for you. So I want you to notice with me, we're just going to look at verses 19 through 24. Okay? 19 through 24, we're going to look at six verses. And listen to what he says. Okay? John chapter 14 in your Bibles. Here's what John wrote concerning the words of Jesus. A little, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandment and keeps it, it is he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? 
Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look at Jesus' promises here. There's about six things I want to point out here that I'm hoping will help you and I because the fact of the matter is, is our struggle is real. I struggle. I struggled this week. You struggle? Yeah, I struggle. Struggle with wondering, God, are you there? It's normal. It's normal. And when you face that, you have to keep coming back to what? The promises. The promises. The promises, okay? So let's take a look at them together. First of all, <clears throat> verse 19. Look at what he says there. He says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more because you see me. Because I live, you will live also. First thing, while the world cannot see Jesus, his resurrection allows us to see him. Have you ever told somebody, man, Jesus is real. He's real to me. I see him in my life. And you're talking about that at work and people are like, uh, really? You see him? Real? Are you kidding me? And you say, well, yeah, because this is what Jesus did in my life. And he, he answered this prayer and, and he, he came along and he provided this and he gave me the right thought at this right moment and I just sensed his presence in my life. Oh, you sense his presence, do you? Are you sure that wasn't just a coincidence? They don't see it. Have you ever noticed that when you're talking about how real Jesus is to you, that the people around you don't see it? How is it that you see it and they don't? Because he rose from the dead. And you put your trust in him. And as a follower of Jesus who put your trust in Christ, you see him. You see his hand in your life every day. You see him. The rest of the world can't see him. The rest of the world doesn't understand. So can, can I help you a little bit with your, with your unsafe friends that you're sharing with and they just aren't getting it? Don't beat your head against the wall because they just aren't getting it. It's because they can't see it. They don't see him. They don't sense him. But because you came to an understanding of who he is and you put your trust, he allows you to see him. He's there. Let's go on to the second thing. I want you to see here. Because he's alive, we have life in him. Here's what he says. He says in verse 19, he says, You will see me because I live. You live also. You have life. Now, when, when I talk about life, what does that mean? Am, am I talking about physical life? No, you have spiritual life. Because when you go over to Ephesians chapter 2, he's saying, you who were once dead, dead in your trespasses and sins, you and I were once dead 
to God. We were dead to the reality of the spiritual world and what was going on because we had died in our sins. We didn't know, but he came along and he saved us and he made us alive. You are alive in Christ. You have a new mind. You have a new way of looking at things. You live. Even when things are going wrong, you live. Why? Because you have Jesus to guide you through it. Think about it for a moment. Okay, so I am, how old am I? I'm 56, okay. I'm young. All right, 56. Yeah, 56 years, and I can tell you what, there have been some struggles. There's been some heartaches. There's been some pains. There's been some things that in the moment of it, I wondered, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to move forward? And, and I clung, because I was a believer through some of those times, I just clung to faith in him. Lord, I don't know how. And, and I remember, and I did silly things. Maybe you do this. I'm like telling him what to do in my prayers to solve the problem. Do you do that? I do that. I'm, I'm a list guy. Here's 10 steps, Lord. I figured it out. 10 steps. Here's my 10 steps. They are wisdom, Lord. I'm telling God they're wisdom. Think about that. It's stupid, isn't it? I'm just telling him how dumb I am by doing that. And, but here's the thing. It never turned out the way that I wanted it necessarily to turn out or go according to the way that I thought it would go. But here's what he did. He brought me through it. And I still had life. And a greater awe of him for bringing me through it. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? But reflect on your life for a moment. He brought you through them. You had life. Because he was alive. Here's the third thing. Look with me. Verse 20, he says this. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Here's what I want you to see. Because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection you will understand who Jesus really is. You'll understand who he is. Jesus is not just some carpenter from Galilee. Jesus is not just some sad figure from life who, who did some wonderful things and then he ended up being cruelly crucified by the government. That's not who he is. He is God who came for a purpose from the beginning that was decided long before even anything existed that he would go to the cross to die for us. And he was in control. How do you know he was in control? Look, because in a little bit, we're going to see him there. He's in the garden. They're going to show up, and he says to them, who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am, which is the name of God. And when he says that, they all get knocked down to the ground by just those two words. Do you not think he was in control? And you understand. You understand that there's something so much more with Jesus. 
because he's God. He's God. That, that, that's the reality, reality. So you understand who he really is. Look with me at verse 21. Look at what he says here. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by me. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Here's the next thing I want you to see here. Those who truly love Jesus will express it with their obedience. So you want to say you are a follower of Jesus? Great. Show it by your actions. Show it by your actions. Now what do you mean by, by my actions? He's saying commandments here. So I got to keep all the rules that church gives me? Listen, sometimes the rules that church gives you aren't in the Bible. Let me just go ahead and say that. Sometimes the rules church gives you aren't in the Bible. So when I first got saved, I, you know, I came from a home, we, we didn't even have, I never had a need for a tie when I grew up because we, we didn't have ties. My dad had a tie because they went with his uniform. Did you understand what I'm saying? Went with his army uniform. And uh, so I never had any. So when I got saved, I, I went to this little bitty independent Baptist church, and, and all I ever owned was jeans. I didn't have slacks, let alone a jacket. And I, I, one day I, I came to my dad, and uh, I was a lot thinner then than I'm compared right now, but that's still a lot bigger than my dad. And I said to him, Dad, Dad, uh, I'm going to this church, and I got to wear a coat and a tie. Do you have a coat and a tie? And uh, he said, Yeah, I got a coat. He from something when he and mom were first dating or whatever, he had this coat and he had this big, fat, fat wide, puke-colored tie. I guess puke was in years ago, okay? And, 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 and the jacket is like three sizes too small for me. So I look like the Incredible Hulk going into church and everybody was okay with me because I had a coat and a tie on. Didn't have to worry about my hair because my dad was an army man and in an army household, your hair is always cut short. Where did that come from? Proverbs chapter 15, thou shalt wear a tie. It's not there. But what commandments are? There's a lot of them. This is the will of God, that you abstain from sexual immorality. A new commandment I give unto you, that you what? Love one another. Those are the things Jesus tells us, right? Not how to dress. And so this is what he says. If you, if you truly love me, you'll do what I told you to do. It's, it's love in action, not love in words. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's love in action, not in words, because it's, talk is cheap, right? Talk is cheap. It's like a loved one that comes to you who's struggling with alcohol and you're a child and, and, and you know, and, and, and I've experienced this where the, the one comes drunk and he's like, oh, I wish I could overcome this. I, I love you. And, yeah, but nothing changes, right? Because it's just words. Jesus wants more than words. 
He wants actions. And if you truly love him, Jesus says, you will show it with your obedience. And then verse 22 and 23, this is where I want to spend a little bit of time with you. He talks about, well, let's talk, let's see what he says here. Look with me at verse 22 and 23. He says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How, how is it that we're going to see you, but the world isn't going to see you? How's that possible? Here, here's what Jesus said. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Let me read that again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And what, what's going on here? Here's what he says. Those who truly love him will experience intimacy with him. Okay, so he's already said, if, you, if you're going to love him, you've got to show it with doing what he's telling you to do. Living the way he wants you to live. Because you love him, you'll do whatever he says. And I think, you know, there's nothing hard with understanding that. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Because there were many things that I did because my parents loved me and I did it because they loved me and I loved them. We understand that, right? Jesus is saying the same thing. I love you. If you love me, you'll do what I'm telling you to do. Now, here's what he says. If you truly love me and, you, and you're doing what I'm asking you to do, you're, you're showing that you're loving me by, by listening to me, I'm going to come and make my home with you. That's intimacy. I was stirred this week. I'm reading a book. Um, by Dane Ortland. Now, who's that, George? Well, remember we just did this book, uh, Gentle and Lowly? I think I had a lot of you read that. Some of you were really moved by that book and told me you've read it many times now. Well, there's another book that he came out. It's called Deeper. So uh, I, I thought, I'm going to read this book. I was t encouraged to read this book. And so I read this book. I'm reading this chapter. And, and he's, Dane Ortland says, that if you think about what we know about Jesus. Okay, so stop for a moment. I want you to think about everything you know about Jesus. So for a lot of you, you're going to go through facts. Okay, son of God, rose from the dead, healed people. You got all these facts that you learned in Sunday school. Then some of you are going to go a little bit step further. You're going to talk about how God has worked in your life and how he's been there for you and answered prayer and, and this, that, or another, and, and, and all of that. So if you think about everything you know about Jesus, here's what he said. It's just the tip of the iceberg of who he is. So you understand, when you see an iceberg, there's a little bit sticking out of the water and there's a whole big thing beneath it, right? And so when you think about what you know about Jesus and you think about your relationship with him and you think you, I've been walking with Jesus a long time. Yes, you still don't know everything about him. And he wants to have intimacy with you so that you get to know him. And I think we understand that. You know, so I've been married. We were just talking with her. We were at my in-laws last night. We're having dinner with them. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, it's been 30 years. 30 years when I first started being, we talked about something that happened 30 years ago. Lori and I have been married 29. And he said, yeah, Lori and I have been 29 years. I'm like, 29 years? 29 years. I can't 
29 years later, say that I know everything about her. Now, she could probably say she knows a lot about me, but I can't say that about her. I'm still learning her. She's still learning me. And we surprise each other. That's human relationships, right? Human relationships, we're, we're growing in our understanding of each other. It's the same thing with the relationship with Jesus. You think you know Jesus, but you don't know him. And what he's saying here is, is that if you truly love me, I'm going to come and have a relationship with you. I'm going to live with you. And we know that. Why? Because the moment you got saved, who entered into your life? The Holy Spirit. God came into your life. And with all relationships, for them to grow, you've got to pursue. Pursue him. In fact, that brought me to Hebrews chapter 11. It's, it's not going to be on the screen. I'll just read it to you. I was thinking about this before the service, so otherwise I would have put it on a, a, a screen for you. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, verse 6. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So without faith, without trusting in him, believing in him, you can't please God, okay? But here's what he says. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, okay? Yeah, we believe he is, but here's what he says. Listen, and that he is, he's talking about God now, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You pursue him, he rewards you. Now, I'm not talking he fattens your bank account or does it. I mean, there's guys on TV that'll say that. That's not what we're talking about here. But he rewards you with a greater relationship. That's the assurance he gives us. I'm going to come and make my home with you. I'm moving in. And that's not a scary thing to hear. Some people tell us that, oh my goodness. No, not with Jesus. I'm moving in. He wants to have intimacy. Here's the next thing he says. The reality of your love for Jesus is seen in your obedience. You want to really say that you love Jesus? Don't tell people. Just live it. Just live it. Years ago, I, uh, when I first became a Christian, I was saved through, was connected with this college group meeting on the University of South Carolina. And uh, we, they brought in a speaker who was, at that time, when I got saved, there was still an iron curtain. Okay, so the Berlin Wall had not fallen yet. There were still Soviet-aligned countries. And so there was a pastor who was a Baptist preacher from Romania, and he was exiled from the communist. And so we had him come and speak for a series of meetings that we did at the University of South Carolina. And so I had the privilege of driving him around, because he didn't just speak at the university, he got, he got spoke at the local nearby Bible college, Columbia Bible College at that time, at that time it's called Columbia International now, and some other churches and stuff. And so I got to be his driver. 
And, and, and he said something to me that has stuck with me. He said, you know, in Romania, and this is under the communists, he said, the persecution of believers is so intense that if you decided you've had enough, you still want to follow Jesus, but you decide to move to another city, and you tell no one there that you are a Christian because you want to just blend in, believe in Jesus, and, and, and just go on and not... He said, if by the end of the week they don't know that you are a Christian, you're not. And what he was saying is, is by the end of the week, if they don't know by the way you live your life, in obedience to him, that there's something different about you than you probably aren't. And this is what Jesus is saying. I'm going away. In the meantime, live for me. Do what I'm telling you to do because that's where your love is. You're doing this because you love me. And that's how it will be expressed. Is by doing what you need to do. You say, okay, George, what has that got to do with my struggle? Because here I am. You said I'm struggling. I'm, I'm wondering. I I'm feel alone and whatever. Here, here's two things you've got to remind yourself. Number one, number one, you're never alone. You are never alone. He just said to you earlier, I will not leave you orphans. He just said to you that if you believe me and love me and do what I'm telling you to do, I will come and make my home with you. So even though he's silent, he's still there. Or is it possible that he may not be silent? What do you mean? Well, Lori, Lori can tell you that uh, when a crisis happens, I'm Mr. Calm. No, I'm not. I get a little worked up about things. And as somebody who gets a little worked up, uh, I don't necessarily hear. Because I'm focused on the crisis and my reaction to the crisis. And she could be there calmly telling me what to do or what we need to do. Or somebody else could be calmly, or even God. I, I don't hear in that moment. And so in the moment, I'm thinking like, why isn't anybody helping? Why? It was because I'm not listening. So sometimes the silence may be because we're not listening. But the reality is, is he's always with you. Which leads to the second thing. Keep living for him. Keep doing what he told you to do. Not what some church told you to do. Not what some preacher told you to do. Not even what your grandma told you to do. Sometimes your grandma tells you things that are okay, but may not be right. Okay? You listen to your grandma. Okay? I know she just told you, don't listen to that preacher. Okay. <laughs> no, but here's what I'm saying. It's what he told you that's important. And so if you love him, 
You're going to do what he told you to do. Let me pray for you.